You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Hello, Calvary. How is everybody doing today? Guys, happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Alex. I'm one of the pastors on staff filling in for Pastor Bob today. And I'm excited to be with you. Uh, Today we celebrate Independence Day. It is our country's birthday. So later on we can sing happy birthday to, uh, uh, to this great country. But it is our country's birthday, yes. So on this day, almost 250 years ago, right, we formally declared our independence from the monarchy and tyranny of Great Britain. And now we get to celebrate by going to the beach, having barbecues, lighting fireworks, and if you're with Pastor George, watching maybe some, uh, some amputations uh, happening. Um, no, but listen, you guys could have been anywhere today. You guys could have been at the beach, and you could have been having a barbecue, and maybe you still will, but you're here now. You're here today, so thank you for joining us today. There's no better place to be. All right, but today, this 4th of July, again, you're here at church, and on a day where we celebrate freedom, I figured it was a great opportunity to talk about freedom. Um, you know, this country's Declaration of Independence, it states that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We all want to be free, right? None of us wants to be held captive. None of us wants to be controlled or enslaved or or in bondage. Freedom is something that that we fight for. Freedom is something that that we defend. And freedom is something that so many have died for. And for some, freedom, um, if you ask them to define freedom, they may say, well, freedom is, is getting to do whatever we want whenever we want. And that seems like that would be a good definition for for ultimate freedom. But if we're honest with ourselves, that's really not not freedom. That type of freedom, if we think about it, really leads to mayhem and chaos. I mean, anyone in here seen Mad Max? Right? One, two, Fury Road, either one of them. Anyone here ever been to a youth soccer game, four and five-year-olds? Same thing? Okay. Freedom like that leads to mayhem and chaos. Because here's, here's what happens. As soon as what I feel that I'm free to do clashes with what you feel that you're free to do, we have a problem, right? Someone's freedom is being challenged. I mean, just think about the last 15 months. You know, whether it's stay inside or go outside or, or wear a mask or don't wear a mask or get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. Okay, it's an unrealistic understanding of, free, of freedom. I mean, theoretically, yes. Freedom is doing and saying and thinking what you want without anyone restricting you or any any sort of hindrance. But we don't live in a theoretical world. We don't live in a theoretical world. So speaking practically and realistically, our freedom is only as good as the rules that are put in place to provide it, right, and to also protect it. So our freedom comes with rules. But we have an interesting relationship with rules, don't we? My son, Alejandro, my oldest son, he's 16, and he has his learner's permit, and he's learning, you know, how to drive. And 
we know that there are laws, there are rules of the road, there's rules uh, to driving, there are traffic rules that need to be followed to make sure everyone is safe out there. Now here in South Florida, I think too many of us take these rules and laws as mere suggestions. Um, um, so there's that, but in most of the rest of the country, people actually, you know, pay attention and, and follow those rules. And above that, there is an authority, right? There's, there's an authority above those rules. The police officers are out there making sure that everyone is following along. So a few weeks ago, after church, he asked me, hey, Pop, do you think that I can drive you home? Now, up to this point, he'd only really been driven around, you know, empty parking lots and stuff like that. Hadn't really gone on, you know, to the streets with actual traffic. But I figured, hey, it's a Sunday afternoon. Traffic is light. You know, home is pretty much a straight shot. It's like two right turns. So, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let him drive. Now, you'll notice he, he didn't ask his mother if, if he could drive her home because uh, mom has made it abundantly clear to the rest of the family that she's not the family driving instructor. Truth is, she's a horrible driving instructor. My wife is a fantastic driver, but a horrible driving instructor. Just ask her, she'll tell you. So, um, so we get in the car, we're driving home, we're on Miramar Parkway, and I notice the car is, is accelerating, you know, at a steady pace. So I calmly just kind of peek over. You know, I don't want him to think that I'm, like, peeking over his shoulder. I want him to feel comfortable. But I do peek at the speedometer, and I notice that he is going over the speed limit, not by much, but he's going over it uh, a bit. And uh, so I calmly, because, again, I'm the superior driving instructor of the house, and being calm as a driving instructor, is, is, it's one of those qualities. So I calmly remind him of the speed limit. I'm like, hey, Papa, listen, um, you know, slow it down a little bit. You're going a little bit over the speed limit. To which he responds, he's like, He's like, Bob, it's okay. The cops let you go five miles per hour over the speed limit, right? <laughs> okay, and he says it like, it like it's a thing, okay? And I'm like, listen, the, the police may overlook it, um, but they might not. And, and besides that, you're not just driving under their rules. You're driving under mine. So 10 and 2, slow it down. So, so you see, even with rules in place, right, rules there to help protect our freedom, some of us bend them, some of us break them. I'm sure you've heard the term, some rules are good for thee, but not for me. Um, you know, we, 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 we seem to have a very complicated relationship with rules. So, does true freedom exist? Can we truly be free? Well, guess what? You're not going to have to wait to the end of the message for the answer to this question. I'll tell you right now. The answer is yes. You can be free. I can be free. We can be free. In the book of John chapter 8, uh, beginning in, in verse 31, uh, this is Jesus speaking, and uh, it says here, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then further down, he says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free Indeed. See, there is a freedom that exists and goes beyond national borders. There's, there's a freedom that goes beyond laws of government. And there's even a freedom that goes beyond the expectations of religion. See, according to this, there's one thing that none of us, none of us escape. And that's sin. But there's one person that sets us free from it. And that is 
Jesus. So with that understanding, we're going to be in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Today, Galatians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul uh, to the church in Galatia. Galatia wasn't really a city or town. It was more of like, a, like an area or, or a region. And, and just like today, the church in Galatia was having its own issues with rules. You see, a, a group of Jews that had come to faith in Christ were now distorting the message of the gospel. They, they, were, they were called a, a Judaizers, a Judaizers, and they were teaching that in order for a believer, in order for someone who came to Christ to be right with God, he must conform to the old Mosaic law. In other words, he, he must be keeping with these old uh, religious rules, which were, uh, again, these the ancient Jewish, Jewish uh, religious rules. So, so rules like circumcision, for example, were taught as necessary for salvation. So coming to Christ wasn't enough. You had to follow the law. And if you were a Gentile, let's say you were a grown man and you hadn't been circumcised on the eighth day after you were born, you're now in your 40s, and they're telling you, hey, you came to Christ, that's awesome. But if you want to be saved, now you've got to be uh, circumcised. So, again, this is what they were teaching. So this false doctrine of the Judaizers was a mixture of grace through Christ and works through uh, religious rule keeping. And this is where we find ourselves. Paul addressing these churches in Galatia who were being infiltrated by, uh, by these individuals. And here in this chapter, we're given the true meeting, meaning of freedom in Christ and how to live in it, what it looks like to live in it. So we're going to start in verse 1. It is in your outlines. It's also going to be on the screen behind me. So Galatians 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So if you guys stop... Uh, stop right there with me for, for, for a second. The first thing that Paul uh, teaches us about freedom is that freedom is found in following Jesus, not following rules. Freedom is found in following Jesus, not following rules. Let me ask you, what would make you feel loved? I mean genuinely loved. Would it be someone doing something out of obligation or rule keeping or, or, or someone doing something for you out of gratitude and a desire to serve you. I mean, think of the relationships that you have in your life. Your, your, your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, right? Your employee, your boss, your neighbor, your friend. Are there any of those relationships that are functioning based on fear, on guilt, on shame, on manipulation? Is that, would we call that love? Now, which one of those are built on, on gratitude and selflessness, on encouragement and, and service? If I guilt or shame my wife to serve me, to please me, to meet my every desire. When she does those things, am I going to be foolish enough to think that's out of love and not fear and manipulation? That's not freedom. Now, those same actions, right, expressed out of love and devotion and gratitude, that is freedom. That is relationship over 
rules. Christ set us free to live a life of obedience and devotion to him. And we do this, we do this through faith and out of love, not out of obligation. And this is what the Apostle Paul is so furious about. This is what he's railing against in this past. He's like, stop. No, this is not the gospel. Right? This is not the good news of Jesus. Christ set you free to be free. And what are we free from? From the bondage of sin and the power of death. From legalism and religious rule keeping and the self-righteousness that thinks that we can somehow do enough to attain a rightness with God through our works. So he says this. He says, stand firm. Right? Hold your ground. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And I don't know if you guys know what a yoke is. I don't know how many of you are, are, are farmers or you've seen, you know, maybe on the Discovery Channel, big animal, an ox with that wood thing, you know, across its, its shoulders and it's pulling the plow. That's what a yoke is. And that's what, and that's what this is like. This works-based faith is a yoke. You wake up every day and you put it on and it weighs you down and you are slave to it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is by grace through faith. And it's, it's, it's living a relationship life based on thank you, right, and want to, okay, and get to. It's not, it's not a life of have to. And what's more, if we do this, right, if, if, if we choose to go down this road of, of, of works-based faith and religious rule-keeping in order to earn our standing and be right before God, then what did Jesus die on the cross for? Like, why, why did Jesus die on the cross? That work is in vain. If it depends on you and your works, if it depends on me and what I do, then why did Jesus have to die? See, religious rule-keeping counts for nothing in a believer's life because God is not looking for obedience through rule-keeping. He's looking for obedience motivated by love, love that naturally comes from faith. And if we're obligated to being justified by the law, then religious rule keeping, then we bind ourselves to all of it. It is all or nothing. We can't pick and choose which rules we kind of like and which ones we don't. If that's going to be our judge, if the law is our judge, we are obligated to it in its entirety. Now today that might not mean much to you. I mean, outside of the Ten Commandments, uh, you may not know much about ancient Jewish law, but that doesn't mean that we don't burden ourselves with religious rule keeping today. For some of us, we read the word of God and, and, and it says that we are accepted, but we spend all week comparing ourselves with others. And we know that God's word says, right, that we are saved by grace, but all week we feel like we are bound and held down by rules. And you begin to believe that God's grace may not be enough and maybe a relationship with God, it's just not enough for you. So you start adding. And this is what we do. We start adding to our relationship with God. You, know, you feel you need to start maybe dressing a certain way or, or maybe speaking a certain way or, or acting a certain way or, or, or thinking or, or doing certain things because you fear that God's grace, it may just not be enough. I've got a simple formula for you guys today. Remember this and everything else falls in place. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You don't need to add to it. Jesus is enough. His sacrifice is enough. We are now free to express our faith 
through love. And freedom is found in following Jesus because we want to and we get to, not because we have to. So continuing in verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Guys, the second thing that Paul teaches us about freedom in this passage is that freedom is found in building up, not tearing down. Freedom is found in building up, not tearing down. He's like, guys, guys, you were doing so good. You guys started off so good. Who got in your ear? What got in your head? Paul calls this distraction a persuasion, right? It's a changing of the mind, a, a shift in your beliefs. Um, my, my two oldest, we have, we have four kids, uh, but my two oldest, Emily and Alejandro, when they were little and it was just the four of us, um, I witnessed the art of persuasion on, on more than one occasion. See, Emily being two years older than, than her younger brother uh, was usually, if not always, uh, the, the persuader. And then Alejandro, you know, sweet, you know, sweet little boy, really big heart. Um, he was the persuadee. Is that how you say it? Or the one being persuaded? The persuader and the persuadee. Anyways, we'd go out as a family. And my wife and I would sometimes ask them, like, where they wanted to go. So we're going out to dinner. And today was Emily's turn to pick. Hey, Emily, where do you want to go to dinner? And then the next time we'd go out, hey, Papa, you get to turn, you know, you, you get to choose. Where do you want to go uh, to dinner? And I remember Alejandro's picks starting to sound a whole lot like Emily's. Uh, picks and so through the use of advanced surveillance equipment dads you know what I'm talking about the rearview mirror it's just a little you know and you see everything happening in the back row I saw it happen all right we're out and I ask hey Papa where do you want to go uh, for dinner tonight and eyes on the back row Emily in his ear and in his head right so I call her out on it, right? I'm like, I'm like, Mama, what are you doing? Let him pick where he wants to go. And you know what he says? He's like, that's okay. We can still go where Emily wants to go. I'm okay with it. See, we're all in danger of persuasion. And this is a warning. Look at verse 9. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I don't know how many of you are baking bread at home. I know some people are because they sell bread makers. But... If, if, you know, if you are, you know what we're talking about when it comes to, to yeast. And if you don't, a little science lesson. Yeast, just a little bit in your dough makes it grow. All you need is, is a little bit, right? It's a, and then throughout the Bible, yeast or leaven is often used to represent sin and evil. And here we see how a small group of false teachers are disrupting and confusing and persuading. They introduce a shift from the truth and freedom of the gospel, salvation, by grace through faith, to a works-based rule-keeping doctrine. But then it says, but we brothers and sisters, we are called to be free. Not a freedom outside the boundaries of God's grace. Not a freedom that says, I'm free to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Not a freedom that indulges in every fleshly desire that comes up, because that is not freedom. And it is slavery and bondage to sin. But rather, we were called to be free. 
free to serve one another in love. And we read here for the entire law, all these laws you guys are trying to keep, all of it is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. True freedom is expressed outward. The term your neighbor refers to anyone and everyone, enemies included. So if you want to experience freedom, true freedom, pray, pray that God would, would, would bless that person that wronged you. Release that anger, hate, and bitterness. Tell your husband that you're proud of him, that you believe in him. Tell your wife that she is precious and valued, that you cherish her and love her. Tell your kids that you believe in them, that you're praying for them, that you support them. Speaking words of encouragement and edification. In Ephesians 4.29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may, be, that it may benefit those who listen. Church, refuse to gossip. Refuse to gossip. Speak the truth in love. See, Jesus was asked by a Pharisee, um, which is a Jewish religious leader of the time, what is the greatest commandment? And this is obviously before what we're reading in Galatians. And they love to ask Jesus questions like this just to see if they can trip him up. Um, so he, the Pharisee asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and mind. And then he adds, love your neighbor as yourself. And now here in Galatians, we have Paul repeating these very words of Jesus. The entire law fulfilled. Every rule is kept by this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to be free... If you want to be free, then just like me, man, I want to be in the construction business, right? Not demolition. Build each other up. All right, so we're going to wrap up uh, chapter 5, starting verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Amen. The third truth that Paul is teaching us about freedom today is that freedom is found in the Spirit, not the flesh. Freedom is found in the spirit, not the flesh. There is a constant battle within you, a battle between the spirit and the flesh. And, and these two are in the direct contradiction and conflict with each other. And this is the reality of every believer. Okay, from the moment we accept and receive the gift of eternal life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we receive that spirit. So if there's a battle within you, amen, it's okay, it's all right, there should be. And if you ever want to know who's winning this battle at any given moment in your life, ask yourself, which one am I feeding? Which one am I feeding? Because the one you're feeding is usually the one that is winning that battle. See, when we walk by the Spirit, okay, walking is, 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 is an active verb. We're not standing by the Spirit. We're not hanging out with the Spirit. We're not sitting with the Spirit. We're walking with the Spirit. We're not passive or we're on the sidelines of this battle. See, when... When we're tempted by these desires of our flesh and we're walking by the Spirit, we know God's view, right? We know what God has to say about what we're tempted about. So we know God's view and, and then we decide to act according to that, right? We decide to act accordingly and then we depend on the Holy Spirit to empower our obedience. 
That is walking by the Spirit. Not only does walking by the Spirit lead to victory over the flesh, but we just read that being led by the Spirit leads to freedom. And, and being led by the Spirit doesn't mean that Spirit goes in front and you're following behind, right? This isn't NASCAR. This, you know, the Spirit isn't the, the pace car and you're just trying to keep up, okay? And here, being led by the Spirit means that the Spirit is a leader, like a locomotive on a train. You know, when you look at a train, it's that first car that's drawing all that power, pulling every car behind it. So we're not following in our strength, okay? But similar to a locomotive, we're being led by his power. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, the evidence, right, the evidence of a life of freedom in the Spirit, we see it. It's outlined for us there in, chapter, in verse 22 and 23. But the fruit, of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. See, fruit always bears the character of the tree that produces it. And it's mango season here in Florida. All right, can I get an amen? All right, it is mango season here in Florida. And my family loves mangoes. Years ago, I used to eat mangoes as a kid. And then all of a sudden, I started to, I developed an analogy, you know, for them. And apparently, that's a thing. You can develop an analogy for something you didn't have an analogy to before. You know, and I was like, what am I being punished for? But, yeah, I developed an analogy for mangoes. And just recently, my wife is reintroducing mangoes. You know, she's like, maybe if you just have a little bit, you'll see if maybe you got over the allergy. So I did have a little piece of mango the other day. And... I'm still with you guys this morning, so maybe I'll try uh, another piece. But I love mangoes. My family loves mangoes. But we don't have a mango tree. Right? But that's okay. <laughs> Everyone else does. Right? You know, so, but we don't have a mango tree, so we're dependent on others for mangoes. And Natalie, who many of you know, she's on staff here uh, uh, with us. Uh, her dad has a mango tree, and every week... She brings us a bag of mangoes, and those mangoes are amazing. I mean, it's the mango, like, you know, they have that nice color. They start off really dark red and kind of get to that, that orangey and, and, and the yellow, and there's no bruises or blemishes. Like, the squirrels haven't gotten to them. And if you don't know about mangoes and squirrels, just ask Pastor George. He'll tell you all about his mango tree and his battle with the squirrels. But these mangoes are delicious. And when I see these mangoes, I know they come from a strong, healthy tree, right? A tree that bears good fruit. It's what the tree was meant for. It's what the tree was created for. That tree is not going to give me oranges or papayas or avocados. And if it does, if, you know, if Natalie shows up with a bag of avocados, she's like, look, this is for my dad's mango tree. I'm going to have some questions, right? I'm going to have some doubts. So the question before us today is what fruit is your life producing? You see, if I take this water bottle, it's not for me to drink from. Okay, if I take this water bottle, okay, and, and I give it a quick little shake, right, and I ask you guys, hey, you know, why did water come out? You're going to say, well, what? you shook it. Well, that's why water came out. Okay, true. But let me change it up a little bit. Why did water come out? Why did water come out? Well, then you'd say, well, Pastor Alex, water came out because that's what was inside. 
And I can shake this bottle all day long, hoping, hoping that it'll stop pouring out water and start pouring out milk and honey. And guess what? It's not going to happen because that's not what's inside. Water is what's inside this bottle. So what is coming out of your life today? See, what's coming out tells you what's inside of you. Are you walking by the Spirit and allowing yourself to be led by the Spirit? Are we bearing the fruit of, this, of the Spirit? Like when this world shakes us up like a water bottle, what's pouring out? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And just like Nat's dad's mango tree, right? We can bear the fruit that we were purposed to bear, that we were created to bear. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because against such things, there is no law. Church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to set us free. And thank you for, for, for setting us free from the bondage of sin and the power of death and the entanglement of the law. Forgive us for thinking that, that you wanted more. And for, forgive us for thinking that you somehow required more of us. Help us to live a life that, that, that bears the fruit of your spirit, Lord, that, that this world will be drawn to you by the freedom that's displayed in our lives. It's in Jesus' name. And uh, I'm going to ask everyone to just uh, remain in that spirit of prayer, um, eyes closed and, and, and head bowed. And, and maybe you're here today and, and you've never actually taken that first step of faith and, and, and committed your life uh, to Jesus. I mean, I don't know who's here today that, that's made a decision or not. And, and I want to encourage you to do that today. Today, when we celebrate our country's freedom, you can open your heart to the God who made you free, the creator of the universe who created you for a purpose. Jesus came to set you free. He doesn't want you to pretend that you have it all together. He wants you to actually experience and live in his freedom. See, we, we can't fake what's inside of us. And when we look at the fruit of the spirit, we have to ask ourselves, is that me? Do I see evidence of the fruit of the Spirit coming out of me? And listen, whenever, wherever there is genuine Christianity, you will find freedom. So the question is, do you have that freedom today? Can you say that? If not, and you want to receive it today, simply make this commitment to God right now. Again, this is your opportunity to commit your life to Jesus. So right there in your chair, I'm not going to ask for anyone to raise their hand. I'm not going to ask for anyone to stand up. I'm not going to ask for anyone to come up. This is, this is you and God right there in your chair. Just lift this prayer up to God. God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. That he rose from the grave. And today I want to commit my life to him. And I ask you to save me today. Thank you, Jesus for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for freeing me. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. 
and we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.